We started a new series last week on Easter Sunday, where this is week two of week four in a series called I Am Jesus. I am Jesus. Looking at the I am statements of Jesus. When you read through the Gospel of John, we find very seven very distinct statements, seven I am statements that Jesus spoke, and we're looking at four of them. Last week we found out that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And what we learned was that the resurrection is not just an event, the resurrection is a person itself, and that person is Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to look at John 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He is the good shepherd. God is a good God. I think that translation, and most of the translations use some word of good, I think it should say he is the great shepherd. He is the almighty shepherd. He is the most wonderful shepherd. He is the bestest of the bestest of the bestest shepherd, if you can. Because he's the greatest shepherd there ever is and ever will be. The gospel means good news. And it's good news that Jesus, the good shepherd, was willing to die for us in our place. Stop and think about that for a moment. Jesus... The good shepherd died for you and me. He took our sin on the cross. To understand and to fully grasp that, he said, I am the good shepherd. Now, the interesting thing is when you read that text and you hear, I am the good shepherd, that means or implies that there are some who are not good. That means there are some who are bad. In fact, he doesn't just imply it. Look at verse 1 of chapter 10. He said, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going in through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. Who's Jesus talking about in this text? He's talking about an enemy. And many times we don't want to speak the name of the enemy, but we must speak the name and not only speak the name, we must be aware that there is an enemy out there trying to sneak into our lives and his name is Satan. He is the prince of darkness and that's who Jesus is talking about. And he hates God and he hates God's people. And he wants to destroy you and he wants to destroy me. His mission is to steal and kill and destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. I believe we have to admit that. Do you believe that's true? Do you believe that there's someone who is actually trying to destroy us and trying to destroy this world and we are in a battle against that every single day? Do you believe that? I mean, I look around and I see people are sick all around us. Why are hospitals filled? That's part of Satan's work. Families are falling apart. Marriages are in trouble. A lot of kids are making decisions. I believe at the root of that, it is the thief and the robber. In fact, Jesus said it very clearly and lays out the mission in verse 10. He said the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's some strong terminology. It wasn't like, now you have this other person over here who's going to make your day kind of miserable. It wasn't soft. It wasn't. Now, there's this other one who doesn't think the same way I think. Now, he may try to convince you to live on his side, and I'm going to try to convince you on my side. No, he said, kill, steal, and destroy. Who's going to go to battle who wants to shred us to pieces? Are you aware of that in your life, that that battle 
is going on? And Jesus said, though, He said, I came to give them a rich and satisfying life. Came to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus is a good shepherd. Who are we in this metaphor? We're the sheep. Exactly. We are the sheep in this metaphor. And, and what does He want for us? The love of God through His Son desires that you and I have a rich and satisfying life. Other versions say His desire is that you have a life and have it to the fullest. In other words, God's plan was good for you. And you say, well, if God's plan was good, why is there bad in my life? Because of Satan. He doesn't want you to have good. And so he does everything he can to battle against, to kill, steal, and destroy, and make your life and make my life miserable. So again, he's the good shepherd, and we're the sheep. And you understand that in this passage of John chapter 10. He's the good shepherd, we're the sheep. Now, sheep is the animal most mentioned in the Bible of all of Scripture. Kind of interesting. It's the most commonly mentioned animal. About 200 times in the Bible, you will find the word sheep used. And so it made me think, well, if sheep are used in the Bible, what about some other animals? Did you know that the word dog is used 44 times in the Bible? So you dog lovers, praise you. You're Christ followers. However, did you know cats? They're not mentioned in Scripture. Amen. It's worse than that. You can't find it in a Bible. Sorry, you cat lovers. Unless you stretch it to a lion because it's part of the cat family. You know, well, that's in the family, so at least they're there somewhat. And if you want to do that, that's fine. But anytime it talked about the lion who's in a cat family, the Bible also says that Satan rolls around like a lion. So you cat lovers, we're looking out for you. Just kidding, just kidding. You can see that direct, direct connection. Just joking. We are sheep. Do you agree? Go ahead and say that. If you agree, say, I am a sheep. Some of you are not sure yet because not everyone said it. But you are. We are. And here's the bad news. I hate it. But Jesus said it. It's not me. If we're sheep... We're like them. He's comparing us to the stupidest animal on earth. Which means we're stupid. This is Jesus' kind way of saying, you humans that my Father God made, you're dumb. And Jesus is trying to lay that out kindly to us by comparing us to this animal. I mean, you think about it. You go to a circus. Have you ever seen a trained sheep in the circus? No, I mean, you'll see trained dogs, and you'll see trained donkeys, and you'll see trained elephants and trained lions, but there's never a sheep in the circus. Why? Because you cannot train them. The only thing you can do is get them in the flock and try to keep them kind of in the, in the flock. Hopefully, they'll stay together. Now, let me just say, with the love of Jesus, you and I are stupid, and so we need a Savior. You and I need the help of a Savior, a shepherd. We are sheep. Let me give you four challenges that sheep face that I think correlate with us as human beings. First of all, sheep get lost easily. They, they go astray. Sheep out in the field, they're in a flock together, and they wander off. Some of you understand that. Some of you get lost going down your driveway to get your mail. 
Some of you are thinking, that's my spouse. Some of you are like, I'm really directionally challenged. Even that GPS with the map before me still doesn't help. You understand that getting lost? That's what sheep do. And have you ever watched sheep on a field? Now you're probably like, well, I don't actually go hang around a field where there's sheep, but you've seen videos. You've seen pictures. We know enough. Hopefully you've been to maybe a, a farm or something. See, do sheep walk around looking up? No, they walk around like this. Why do they get lost? Because their eyes are focused on the ground. The flock goes that way, and they just wander over here, wander over there. Flock's going that way. We do the same thing. Oh, that looks like a really good idea. I can't see it, but I'm going this way. And we just kind of get lost, and we start wandering aimlessly in life sometimes, and we end up lost just like a sheep away from the flock. We tend to wander down with our head down, getting lost, and we get lost in the ways of this world versus following the ways of God. We're just like the sheep sometimes. Another challenge is sheep are defenseless. They are not able to fight. They're not able to fight. There's no way to defend themselves. All other animals have a way to defend them. Even cats, they'll scratch at you, claw you. But a sheep that you've never seen one rise up on its hind legs like you do with a deer and like, I'm going to sheep you to death. It doesn't happen. I mean, they don't bite. They, they just are defenseless. They don't know what to do when they're attacked. And so they need a shepherd, someone who's guiding them and who's protecting them. And i got to tell you, without a shepherd, we are defenseless to the lies of this world. The, the shepherd tried to always keep the, she, the, the, the sheep into the flock, into the fold, so that they wouldn't wander off because he knew as long as they stay inside the fold, as long as they stay with the body, so to speak, they stay with the rest of the sheep, they're protected because there's so many of them. But as soon as one starts to wander off and say, I'm going to go off and do it by myself, that shepherd would go, hey, get back over here. I don't want a wolf to get you. We do the same thing. We wander off and go, well, i got life figured out. I'll go do it all by myself. Oh, I'm really smart. You know, yeah, my parents have raised me, but now I'm 18 years old. i got to figure it out. I'm going to do it all by myself. Yeah, yeah, I heard someone kind of chuckle. We've all been down that road before. But what happens is when we do that, usually we'll pull ourselves away from the body or pull ourselves away from the church, and we'll say, I've got it all figured out, and I'll go live my life however I want to do it. And you're putting yourself away from the body that we need, and you're putting yourself out there in a defenseless position where Satan can come steal, kill, and destroy. And let me tell you some conversations I've had in the past. And it seems like I'm having more often. Someone comes to my office and sits down and says, let's talk. And the conversation goes something along these lines. I am 30, 35, 40, 50, 55, 60. Brian, I've been trying to live life by myself. And I've been trying to do it my way. And what I'm realizing is it doesn't work. And then we spend some time trying to get, say, okay, here's how you get into the flock of Jesus' care so He can be your shepherd. We're defenseless in this world with the power of Satan will kill, steal, and destroy. Number three, the sheep have a challenge that they're stubborn. They're very hard to move when you want them to move. Look at the person next to you and say, you are stubborn. Now, some of you are not doing it, so you're super stubborn. 
Us as sheep are stubborn. God says, this is the way to live your life. This is what I want you to do. And we say, yeah, but we're stubborn. And i got to admit, I'm stubborn. How many of you are in my club? Raise your hand. Okay, there's several of you are, are honest. Several of you are still too stubborn to be honest. But we are stubborn. My wife kind of said that to me yesterday. So you all understand that the weather right now is kind of up and down, right? And they're calling for cold weather. Well, I tend to go to the app, WKYT weather app, and look at that. And I'm still trying to figure this one out. Why does WKYT weather app tell me one thing and the WKYT news tell me another thing? I haven't got that one compiled, but I looked at the WKYT app and I went, okay, I know it's supposed to get a little cold, but I don't see that being like freezing cold. So I had planted some flowers. You know, it wasn't much. It's only $10 worth. Um, but I planted them and they look beautiful. And my wife says, why did you do that? We're going to have a hard freeze. I said, well, I looked at the app. She said, I told you the app's never consistent and, and it's going to freeze and the flowers are probably going to die. She said, you're stubborn. I said, well, yeah, there's probably some truth in that. Now I'm praying over my flowers. God, please keep them alive. <laughs> Hoping that they don't die. I tried that. It's too windy yesterday. You know, sheep are so stubborn that when they're like out in the field or they're amongst the rocks or amongst the cliff, you know what happens? They will come to a wedge in a rock path. They will come to a wedge and, and they'll kind of start getting stuck. And you would think the smart thing to do would be, okay, beep, 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 back it up, and let's go around that rock. You know what they do? They push harder. Well, I can move these rocks. Oh, 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 oh. They push, and they get stuck. There are stories of the sheep sometimes getting so stuck from pushing so hard that when the shepherd finally finds them, he can't get them out. And you know what he has to do? Abandon it and leave it. What happens to a sheep that is stuck in the rocks? It's not getting food or water and out there. It's going to what? Die. You all are smart. It's going to die because that sheep went, well, this seems like the right path and the right way. Let me push, push, push. Oh, I'm stuck. We're guilty of that sometimes, aren't we? Oh, God, I know that this is the right girl for me. I know she's perfect and wonderful. And your mom and dads are going, no, she's not perfect and wonderful. Don't go down that path. No, it's wonderful. And then you do and you go, oh, I'm stuck. Or this boy is the perfect boy for me. And your mom and dad are going, don't go to that boy. That boy's trouble. No, no, he's great. No, he's trouble. No, he's great. Oh, he's trouble. No. And you're stuck. And sometimes it leads down to relationships and marriage challenges, finances. Oh, I know, I know. If I just spend a little money here, a little money there, just do a little bit of that, what happens? Oh, I got it under control. And all of a sudden, I'm ignoring all the rules and all the people tell me you're spending your money foolishly. No, no, I'm fine. All of a sudden, I'm bankrupt. Because we push right on through and we keep on pushing because we're just like sheep. We're stubborn. We need a shepherd. Number four, challenges, they're filthy. Now, I know you've seen them in pictures, in books, where they're all white and they're pretty. You see that on the internet, they're all white and pretty. Those are only the sheep that have been bleached to make you look like they're pretty. They're not beautiful animals. They stink. Last week we could talk about Lazarus, and I said Lazarus came out of the grave, and they said, he what? He stinketh. Sheep are kind of like Lazarus. They stinketh. 
They're dirty, nasty animals. Nobody washes them. No one cleans them. Uh, their fur is just sticky and yucky and rough and coarse. And, and they're out in the fields, and so they collect all that dirt. They're nasty, dirty, filthy animals. And the only time they ever really are clean is when they get sheared. The only way we're clean is when Jesus shears us by the blood of the Lamb. We are filthy. We are sin-filled. We are broken and we need a Savior and His name is Jesus and He's the only one that cleans us up. So with those thoughts about the shepherd relationship, us being sheep, let me tell you what the Good Shepherd wants to do in your life if you will allow Him. First of all, He wants to guide. David said these words. He said, He guides me along the right path." For his name's sake. What Dave was, was referring to is that as I seek the Lord, as I go after him, as I pursue the Lord, then what he does is he guides me in my decisions I'm supposed to make. He guides me how to live life. So if I want to be a good husband or a good wife or know how to manage money or do I do this or do I do that, then I seek the Lord and the Lord will guide me in that. In John 10, it says the gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Let me stop there for a moment. He calls them by name. Do you know how important it is to speak people's names? Do you know how important it is to try to learn people's names and care? Because when people hear their names spoken, it tells them you care. In preparation for this message, uh, reading one of the stories about, from one of the ministers, and he said he recalled a time that when someone came into their church and he hadn't seen this young lady in a long time, he couldn't recall her name. He thought, Spirit, help me. And all of a sudden, it was like a, an arrow from the Holy Spirit going to their head. His head, he, all of a sudden, Sarah came to his name, remembered her name. He said, hi, Sarah. How you doing? Good to see you. Glad to have you here. Chatted with her for a few minutes. After church, they engaged in more conversation. She told the preacher, she said, i got to tell you something. I was really committing ending life. I was ready to bring it to a close. But I told God I'd give him one more chance and I would go to this church and see what's going on. And she said, the fact that you know my name tells me Jesus still knows my name. And he cares. You know, it's so important when we come into worship, I encourage you constantly, don't just come in at the last minute. Don't just come late. Come early. You're coming to first service, get here 15 minutes early. You're coming to second service, get here 15 minutes before second service starts. You say, why? To take time to care about people by name the best you can. There's nothing like a handshake or a hug or a high five. I was telling our volunteers who are serving this morning, everybody that comes in this place, we believe they need the love of Jesus. And for, for many people, they won't see Jesus in a sermon. They're going to see Jesus in you. And so if you give a handshake, you give a hug, you give a high five, you give a listening ear, maybe you share a prayer with somebody, you just take the time to listen, maybe you speak their name, it may be the time that they go, Jesus is in that place. By name, he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. Did you hear that? They follow him. Why? They know his voice. They follow him because they know his voice. Lane was trying to help me this week, and he said, maybe we can get a couple sheep to show up here. And so he actually contacted a couple of farms. It didn't work out, but I thought, how cool would that be, Lane, if we had some sheep right out there in the parking lot, and then I bring them in here and try to lead them. You know how hard that would be? 
It would be virtually impossible. We have a tug of war. I would put a rope or something around that sheep's neck, and I would be pulling, and he'd be standing, and we'd be going back and forth, and I would probably lose that or be very tired basically dragging that sheep into here. But the person who brought the farmer, the shepherd, would probably be able to walk that sheep just by going, come on. And that sheep would probably walk with it. That sheep would follow it. Why? Because the sheep knows its voice. The sheep knows the voice of the shepherd. The sheep knows the voice of the one who cares. Let me ask you this. How well do you know the shepherd's voice? How well do you know Jesus' voice? Now, sometimes some folks say, well, how do I know if I'm hearing his voice or that's my indigestion in my stomach? How do I know if that's the Spirit speaking to me or just my friends tell me what to do? Well, maybe this analogy will help. If you walked into a room with guys, 50 guys sitting in a room, what would they probably be doing? Watching a ball game, not talking. You walk in a room with 50 women, what would they probably be doing? A lot of talking. The volume would probably be very loud, right? And if the women are in the room talking, do you think I could walk into a room, and men, maybe do you think about this, could you walk into a room with 50 women talking, and could you pick out your wife's voice? No, I could. I could stop and probably close my eyes and say, yep, unless she's trying to play games on me and trick me. But uh, I probably could pick out her voice and say, my wife's over in that corner or she's on that side of the room. Between her voice and her laughter, I'd be able to pick it up. Why is that? The only reason why that is is because we've been married for 22 years. We dated before that. We spend time together. We have conversation together. We laugh together. We share together. We cry together. I know her voice. I need to tell you, the only way you're going to know the voice of God, our shepherd, Jesus Christ, is by spending time with Him. And the more you spend time with Him in the Word, the more you're hanging around with Jesus, the more you will hear His voice. And it needs to be a daily habit where you're spending time with Him. Look at the back of your growth guide. One thing we learned in the Transform series, I've had individual conversations with you, and I said, what's the one thing you really picked up on and what's really important? And how many of you said, I've got to spend time daily with God? And you're really picking up on the idea of something I taught week one, which was how you begin your day determines how you will live your day. And many of you said, I've got to do that. I'm working at trying to do that. So in our growth guide, something new we've added is a daily scripture reading. I want to encourage you, use that daily scripture reading to say, I want to start my day with God. Those scriptures will help guide your thoughts towards the topic of the week, whatever we're preaching on, whatever we're teaching on, whatever our growth groups are studying. And so spending that time, so that as you spend time with God, you know His voice and you can hear His voice. And He says, then you come and follow me. You know what our job is to do? Be obedient. Our job is obedience. Our job is hear His voice and then do what He wants us to do. Next, what does the Good Shepherd do? He provides. The Lord is my shepherd, David said. He said, I lack nothing. In other words, He provides everything for me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Have you ever seen a sheep lying down? I said to me, like, I'm not hanging on to farms. I really don't know. Well, my understanding is they don't lie down much. Hardly ever do they lie down. The only time they really lie down, and Jesus says they lie down beside green pastures, they lie down is it when they're fed. In other words, their, buddy, their bellies are full when they're safe, and when they're getting along with the other sheep. 
So when they feel comfortable. So if they've been fed, they feel safe, and they're getting along with the other sheep, then they will relax and actually lie down. But many times you never see them lie down. Why? Because either they're hungry, or they don't feel safe, or they're not getting along with the rest of the flock. There's some analogy there for us to learn. Jesus is the one who wants to fill you. Jesus is the one who makes us safe when we rest in His arms. Jesus is the one that that protects us. Jesus is the one that helps remove any kind of fear of things that are going around. And when you rest in Jesus, then He refreshes your soul. Scripture says He leads you by quiet waters. You will never see a sheep dunking its head into a rushing river. They have a fear that they're going to fall in. And they're going to fall in and go rolling on down the river. And so they won't go. But this says Jesus leads them by, by quiet waters. That means a still water where they can bend down in a gentle stream and take a, a sip of water. Where they will feel comfortable. Where there will be no fear. And the analogy there is that's what Jesus does for us. He refreshes our soul. That Jesus is the living water. He's the calm water we can trust. That He provides for the soul. That's what He wants to do for you and me. Thirdly, He corrects. He keeps us from danger. Now, most of us don't like correction, but Job understood correction. Look what he says. Blessed is the one who God corrects, so do not despise the discipline of the Almighty, for He wounds, but He also binds up. He injures, but His hands also heal. Very interesting, just the understanding that, hey, you know what? Correction is needed, and correction doesn't feel good. And sometimes God will correct, but at the same time, He will heal. He doesn't want us to get off and and lose direction and get outside of the flock because He knows that we're vulnerable and we're defenseless. Shepherd, it's very interesting. You study just sheep and what happens with them, how a shepherd trained them. If a shepherd has a, a sheep that will continually wander off, and they're not getting the idea of staying with the flock, that shepherd carries a, a staff with him about 36 inches long. He'll go up behind a sheep and actually crack the back of its leg, and sometimes the leg will even break to get the attention of the sheep to say, you can't wander off. And then it's really interesting because what he does, he picks that sheep up and he puts it up on its shoulder and nurses it back to health or nurses it back to comfort, and he talks to the sheep, and the sheep starts to learn his voice and learn his voice more. And so he does the correction. That's what Jesus wants to do in our life. wants to do the correction, and then he picks them up. It's kind of like us as parents. Remember when our children were very small, and you know you're trying to teach them, don't touch that, that's hot. And you're like, that's hot, that's hot. They keep doing it, that's hot. Well, eventually it may be, hey, that's hot. And they're like, ah! They're freaking out, and you're going, you don't want to get burned. That little tap on our hand's not much compared to the burn you may experience. What do you do, though, when they're crying? You pick them up and you hug them and you love them. You say, Mommy and Daddy loves you, but you've got to learn you cannot go in that direction because it hurts. It does not feel good. Matter of fact, Hebrews even tells us that. Hebrews 12.11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. It's not an exciting thing to be disciplined. My teenagers, whenever I'm taking their phone around, they've never said, oh, thank you, Dad, take something else away. Usually it's like wailing at the wailing wall. Oh, my phone, give it back. What kind of discipline is God doing in your life right now? So how do I know God's discipline? Sometimes discipline comes in the form of pain. Because if we ignore God's laws and God's rules and God's directions and God's commands, a lot of times that means pain comes. 
Sometimes correction can come in the form of a friend who says, we need to sit down and talk. And the friend loves you so much that they're willing to say, what you're doing right now does not allow what God wants for your life. What you're doing right now is sin. What you're doing right now is outside of the will of God. And you go, oh my goodness, I hate that. You're so mean to me. You're a horrible friend. Why would you say it? No, a friend who really loves you will take the time to tell you that. It's not exactly fun. Sometimes correction can come in the form of a, a sermon that kind of smacks you between the eyes, and you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't like that one, or your toes were stubbed. Sometimes it can be in a small group, small group study. Someone says something, you're like, okay, I had to hear that one. God uses different forms of correction. Is He trying to correct to do any correction in your life today? It may not be fun at the time, but that's what, how we get to the place of righteousness and a place of peace. Lastly, He protects. Scripture says in Psalm 23, David said, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's very interesting. Your rod and your staff, David making that comparison again to the shepherd, he uses the rod, what? To crack, to, to, to discipline, but he also uses the rod for safety because at the end it has a hook and if a sheep has fallen off into the water or if a sheep is stuck in a hole, he reaches down and grabs the sheep and lifts it up out of safety. And he's saying, so whenever you correct me or you bring me to safety, that comforts me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, you know that psalm probably. And you've probably heard the terminology, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And we have said that, but do you have any clue what that means? Studying this, it was eye-opening. Let's talk about this, this idea of you anoint my head with oil. Now, don't get too grossed out on this, but I have to explain it to you. Sheep are filthy animals, and sheep are surrounded by flies all the time. And what would happen is the flies would fly up into their nose and lay eggs. Gross, isn't it? So the hope is that when they lay the eggs, then the flies would go out of the nose. Sometimes they don't. They go up into the brain. And they're called crazy sheep. And what will happen is a sheep will have a fly up inside of its brain and it's going crazy and it starts banging its head, hitting it on a rock, hitting it on a stick, hitting it on a tree, just going nuts because it's got a fly up inside of its brain. Sometimes we live our lives like that. We bang our heads. Oh, 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 why am I doing this stupid stuff in my life? And sometimes we keep banging our head and it hurts so much, a sheep will bang its head until it dies. And sometimes some of us get stuck. We keep banging our head. We're hurting ourselves over and over and over again because we have some nasty gunk inside of our soul. Now, when it says anoint my head with oil, what that's referring to is an a insect repellent. So shepherds would learn to cover and to use the insect repellent of the oil around the head, around the face of the sheep to keep the flies away so the flies would not fly up inside of them and destroy them. Now this is kind of gross, but it's true thought. What David is saying here is, Lord, you are my insect repellent. Lord, you keep all the bugs and all the insects that want to get inside of me to destroy me. You keep that away, and so I, I anoint my head with oil. Is that not amazing imagery when you start thinking about that? Now this next one, I love it too. My cup overflows. Does that mean David had a big old cup he was putting in the river and it just kept overflowing? It's not what it means. In Jewish history, Jewish uh, custom, what they would do is they would have wine at their meal 
And as they were fellowshipping and spending time with one another, the, the host or the server would come along and fill their cups with wine. And they would fill their cup. And the custom was, as long as your cup was full, you're welcome. Stick around. We're enjoying fellowship. But when your cup ran out, they were telling you, get out of my house. They were telling you, it's time to turn the lights out. It's time to go to bed. And so as long as the cup was full, now some of you understand that you've been in my house, uh, especially people in my, my, my growth group, there, there is a time where we're fellowship. But by about 9 o'clock, I start shutting down. And by 9.30 or, or 10, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get people on my house. And so sometimes we're like, okay, it's time to get out. Or we'll start walking people towards the door. And I've literally said to people, hey, I'm done. Good night. While my wife's standing there because she wants to talk forever. And I just go upstairs. Like telling you, okay, your cup is now not overflowing. It's empty. <laughs> go home. Get out of my house. So what this passage is telling us is David says, my cup overflows. Jesus is filling me and He's never leaving me. He's never telling me get out of here. He's never telling me I'm done with you. He says, your cup is overflowing. But He anoints me with oil. He protects me. He says, stay by me. You and I in fellowship continually. It's an awesome imagery of His love and His passion and His desire for us and how He wants to protect us. He says, your cup overflows. Stay nearby me. And then you dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One last Scripture to consider. Luke 15. Suppose one of, his, one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 the open country and go after the sheep lost sheep until he finds it. When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home and the story goes on, goes home, tells his friends they have a big old celebration, a big party. And this is about a lost sheep that, that's been gone. It's one of us who've wandered away from the flock. You bring it back in. You don't go, where you been? Oh, you're a horrible, terrible sinner. You've been gone. No, we party and we celebrate. We're excited when people step back into the fold, back into the flock. But I just wonder, reading that account, there's 100, one gets away. I'm wondering, are you the one? I'm wondering, is today's message directed directly at you? Are you the one who needed to hear this message today? Are you the one who needed to hear that God corrects and God protects and God guides and God provides and He wants you to hear, stay in the fold, stay in the flock because I want to do my work as your shepherd if you will allow me. That's what He wants to do in your life. Are you the one? This message could be directly for you. I don't believe on any given Sunday that anybody who walks in the doors of this place are here by accident. For some of you, I know it's very routine. I come every single week. I know for some of you, well, I come about every other week. I know for some of you, well, I kind of go there once a month. For some, I just kind of hit and miss. I believe the Sundays that you're here, God has you here on purpose. And maybe the purpose is He wants you to hear this message this morning. He wants you to know that He is your great shepherd. He wants to be involved in your life, guiding and providing and correcting and protecting. The only difference between us and a sheep is we have a lot of choice. Sheep can wander off. They have some choice, but the shepherd's always bringing them back. We have free will. And our God says, I want to be your shepherd. Jesus says, I want to be your shepherd. But we have to allow Him to do that in our lives. Let me close with one story that I came across this week. I think is very pertinent. There's a professor of drama teaching his students how to do some drama kind of on the fly, so to speak. 
He stood up before the class and said, I want you guys to get prepared to act out Psalm 23 or speak it in a dramatic way. And the professor said, let me demonstrate for you. And he stood up before the, before the audience, about 100 students maybe in the room. He stood up before them and he started off with Psalm 23 and he says, the Lord is my shepherd who I shall not want. And he goes off in a very dramatic way, in a way that captures all their attention. And he finishes at Psalm 23. And when he gets done, the the students stand up applauding how great it was. Fresher said, now, I want to see some of you do this. He said, you get a chance right now. He looked around the room and looked down at one young man who he knew was kind of more introverted and shy. And he said, let's start with you. Young boy comes up and kind of looks down and very calmly just says, the Lord is my shepherd. He began to get emotional. Thinking about Jesus on the cross, dying for His sin. Thinking about Jesus taking His place. Thinking about Jesus saying, I want to protect and guide and, and, and take care of you. Starts to get very emotional. Goes on, I shall not want. And he took his time very humbly, but very emotionally, shares Psalm 23. He finishes, and there's not a dry eye in the room, and it's silent, though. No one's standing, no one applauding, more everyone's kind of all just with their mouths hanging open, like, wow, what do we just experience? Professor stands back up and says, I know the psalm. He knows the shepherd. Do you know him today? Do you know Him as your shepherd this morning? See, what can happen in our lives is we can put on the facade of knowing Him. Oh, I go to church at Center Point. Oh, I go to a Bible study. Oh, I read my Bible here and there. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm religious. I go to church. You can go to church and do Bible studies and all this kind of stuff and really still not know Him as the shepherd. Is Jesus your shepherd this morning. Heavenly Father, thank You that Jesus is the Good Shepherd, the Great Shepherd, the Almighty Shepherd, the best Shepherd we could ever desire. Thank You, Lord, that You want to guide, You want to protect, You want to instruct us in our lives, You want to provide. Father, help us to not be stubborn sheep. Help us to be humble. Help us to be open to Your leading and Your direction and Your guidance. Father, break the spirit of stubbornness in us. Thank You that You take us who are filthy, dirty, wretched rags, and You clean us up and make us pure as snow by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Father, we honor You and celebrate You this morning. Father, help us to have our eyes up, not wandering like lost sheep, but up, focused on You, looking to You for all of life for all direction, all guidance, all help for everything we need. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.